He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Does anybody in here know that to be your story today? Has the Lord worked a miracle in your life? Has he made a way for you where there seemed to have been no way? Has he healed your body when you were sick and didn't think you were going to get well? Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Praise God. We thank God for Jesus. Happy Father's Day to all the men. Praise the Lord. We're just so grateful to be here. And uh, we're going to hear the word of God today from Brother Chucky. Lord has put a word in his heart and we're going to sit attentively. Amen. As the man of God bring the word of God to us on today, we're just so grateful. So can we give our, put our hands together? The Lord Jesus, a hand of praise for who he is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Dear Father, we do recognize you as the way maker. Lord, you are the great and magnificent God, and Lord, you do all things well. You created the stars, you created the planets, and Lord, you watch over our hearts, and we thank you for that. Lord, um, thank you for preserving your word for us, Lord, where you reveal yourself to us, and uh, we just thank you, Lord, we praise you, Lord, we need you. Lord, we extend our, extend our hands acknowledging who you are. Lord, we just praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you all may be seated. And, and again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house today. Uh, I am not a biological father, but but I've, I've mentored. I was thinking this morning. I was like, man, I've had a lot of kids in my life. <laughs> you know, and and a lot of that has been it's a it's been a journey for me uh to learn I'm starting my stopwatch here, make sure I stay on schedule. Um you know, a journey for me to learn um how to connect and to to be vulnerable. And it, and it's an ongoing life journey for all of us. So, you know, we so we're going to talk about the best father of them all today. And we're going to talk about his attributes. So, we're going to jump right in. Uh starting off, God is infinite. We're going to now this is not an exhaustive list of his attributes, its characteristics. But we're going to look at a few and that should it should uh, shape our theology, which then will um, encourage us to respond in a certain way to him. Okay, God is infinite. Unlike us, God has no limits or boundaries. He is not confined to the dimension of space. His love, holiness, mercy, and all his other qualities are unlimited in their scope and expression. Number two, God is self-existent. Unlike everything else in the universe, he had no beginning. Because he is the creator, he is the only one who exists outside of the created order. Number three, God is eternal. He is not bound by the dimension of time. He created time as a temporary context for his creation. With God, everything that has ever happened 
or will ever happen has already occurred within his awareness. God encompasses all eternity. Now, let, let me just stop there for a moment. Because, you know, we, we talk about these attributes and it's like, huh, what? I'd like to think of this God's eternality as whatever happened in, let's say, 700 B.C., what's going to happen in 2122 is constant, yeah, A.D., is constant in God. He knows that that decision that was made in A.D., in B.C., 700 B.C., is going to impact something in 2100 A.D., we don't know that. Yeah, we, right. Um, and I've, I've shared this before. Think of, let's say, some of the, the tragic things that you've experienced in life. And if God told you beforehand that it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, we'd be trying to evade that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a month. It's a month. This one is going to come. Let, let me do something to get out of the way. Okay, God is self-sufficient. All creation relies on God for existence, but he has no need for anything. Listen to this. He does not need our help. (laughs) He does not need our help. He only offers us the privilege of being involved with him in the fulfillment of his purposes. God is gloriously incomprehensible, but he is also a personal spirit. Through his infinite love and goodness, he has provided a way for us to have an authentic, personal relationship with him. God is sovereign. God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. There is no higher authority. Our great God possesses every ability he needs to be in absolute control of everything. He is all-powerful, so no one can force him to do anything against his will. He is present everywhere, so no one can hide from him or escape his scrutiny. He is all-knowing, so there is nothing about which he is unaware. You know, sometimes... It is presented either in the world or sometimes in churches that God and the devil are equals. And that there's this cosmic battle going on. Well, we can see in the book of Job, everything that Satan does, he's got to get permission for it from God. If God says no, it's not happening. Nothing occurs without his divine permission. God commands the forces of nature and uses them to achieve his divine purposes. He established the scientific laws that regulate the universe, and only he can overrule their effect. Again, even Satan and his legions of evil spirits can operate only within limits prescribed by God. Here's one example of some of these attributes. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5 say, says, He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our majestic and mighty Lord and abundant in strength. 
his understanding is inexhaustible, infinite and boundless. Okay, he counts the number of the stars. So it begs the question, and you talked about this earlier, well, how many stars are there? Scientists feel that there are approximately 200 billion trillion stars. And they don't know. And he counts them all by name. He has named 200 billion trillion stars. This is the God we serve. Okay. This is how God reveals himself to us. First, God revealed himself to us in the word, the Bible. The scriptures provide us with a clear description of what God is like and what is important to him. That's why we say this all the time here. It is essential that we spend time in God's word, quality time in God's word, because that's where God reveals himself to us. Second, God came down from heaven to live on earth. For 33 years, human beings could observe the incarnate God through their senses, and they walked and talked with him, with his son, Jesus. Third, God destroyed the barrier of sin and self-centeredness that separated us from our holy God. His perfect son, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Fourth, God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in Christians with his presence. Our creator God did all this so we could go beyond just knowing about him. We can actually enter into a warm friendship and intimate family relationship with him. What a gracious offer and an awesome privilege. Uh, Kerm, you know, Hank Hanegraaff says we have to scale the language barrier. So we, the word intimate and intimacy is tossed around a lot. So what does it mean? Generally, for a man, intimacy means sex, right? But I I grabbed a few definitions of intimacy. I want y'all to listen to this. And then I have a couple of questions for you. Okay, what does having intimacy mean? Intimacy is, in a relationship, is a feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported It means being able to share a whole range of thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we have as human beings. Let me read that again. Intimacy in a relationship is a feeling of being close and emotionally connected and supported. It means being able to share a whole range of thoughts, feelings, and experiences that we have as human beings. Adam and Eve in the garden walked with God in the cool of the day. They were naked and unashamed. Intimacy. So question, first of two questions. This definition we just read, in your childhood home, was intimacy a characteristic of your child. You don't have to answer out loud. Was intimacy a characteristic of your childhood home? Did your parents demonstrate intimacy? Were you free to ask questions about anything? Now, I know the answers. (laughs) 
Were you free to express things without being shot down? Did you feel supported by your parents? Or did you feel as if you were a nuisance to your parents? Okay, two. Is your current home, is intimacy demonstrated and modeled in your current home? Do family members feel supported? Do is um, do things are things easy to be discussed in the home? Can hey, we need to have a talk. Oh no. <laughs> is any topic off limits in the house? We we looked at here earlier. Our creator, God, our God communicates intimacy and and exemplifies intimacy to us all the time. He tells us he loves us. He tells us he forgives us. And he's excited about forgiving us. Uh, What is it? Uh, Micah 6 and 8. What does the Lord require of us? But to do justly, to love mercy... And to walk humbly before him. Jesus demonstrates this for us. And he wants us to do the same. Okay. Now, Sister Patricia touched on one of the passages. Y'all been all over this message this morning. (laughs) All right. Isaiah 40, 12 through 15. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. We know that uh, the earth is what? About almost 70% water, 67, 70% water. Right, 70%. God holds that water in the palm of his hand. And marked off the heavens with the span of his hand between his thumb, those 200 billion trillion stars, God has marked that off with the span of his hand. And calculated the dust of the earth with a measure. And weighed the mountains in a balance. And the hills in a pair of scales. Listen to this. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has taught him as his counselor? He does not need our help. God, let me tell you what I want you to do. This is what I think you should do in that situation over there. He doesn't. And he doesn't want our help either. Right. We need his help. Or who has taught him as his counselor? With whom did he consult and who enlightened him? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge? God, what that thing that's happening over there, that's not right. And you need to do something about it. In fact, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Now look, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. We talked about Job earlier. Job 38, 1 through 7. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel, questioning my authority and wisdom by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. 
where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know and have understanding. Who determined the measurements of the earth if you know? Or who stretched the measuring line on it? On what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, angels shouted for joy. Let's go to Romans 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and decisions and how unfathomable and untraceable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has first given to him that it should be paid back to him? For from him all things originate and through him all things live and exist. And to him are all things directed to him be glory and honor forever. Amen. This is our awesome heavenly father who does not need our help he wants us to rest in him now i understand that can be one of the most challenging uh, uh directives in our christian walk is resting and waiting but as we know his attributes because we're talking about a relationship Unfortunately, our Christian life sometimes can be advertised as a list of do's and don'ts. You got to keep this law and keep that law and keep that law and keep that law. And then when you do that, then you're good. You got to wear the right clothes. You got to say the right things. You got to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday. And we're in an intimate relationship with God. And he wants us to pour out our hearts to him and only God we see David I believe it's Psalm 142 where God where David is pouring out his complaint to God guess what God can handle complaints he's all right <laughs> now he, he's oh did you say that oh no God is in control. I am learning that when I am honest with God, when I pour out my heart, God, I'm God, I'm frustrated, I'm overwhelmed. What it directs me to do is to give those issues to him because I know I can't handle it. God, this is too much for me. And God's saying, thank you. I've been waiting for you to come to that realization. All right, Micah 7 and 18. Who is a God like you who forgives wickedness? Although God is sovereign, he's in total control. He doesn't need our help. He still extends a hand of love to us. And he is merciful and kind. Who is a God like you who forgives wickedness and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? Who does, he does not retain his anger forever. Because he constantly delights in mercy and loving kindness. Let me read that again. 
Who is a God like you who forgives wickedness and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he constantly delights in mercy and loving kindness. Question, it's for the fathers and for all of us. Do we constantly delight in mercy and loving kindness? I didn't include this in the text, but let's do a quick segue. Um, Colossians 3.21. And as I read this, I want you to ask yourself, why is this in the Bible? Colossians 3.21. Fathers... Do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. Question, and you all please shout out the answer. Why is this in the Bible? Right. It's also in Ephesians 6 and 14. Why are these two passages, same thing, why are they in the Bible for us? Because that's what we do. God does not retain his anger forever. But we do. You know what you did that five years ago? And I ain't going to let you forget it. I'm going to make sure you know you messed up. But God says when we do that, especially with fathers, we break the hearts, break the spirits of children. We are instructed to treat children tenderly with loving kindness. So they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated. I'm sure all of us, I, again, I, I talk to a lot of kids, a lot of young adults. And there are some I come across and their spirits are broken because of their fathers. Fathers have made promises to them. Didn't fulfill them. One young man I know, he asked his father, dad, do you need me? His dad said, no, I don't need you. On top of making promises to him and not fulfilling those promises. Then there are the fathers that abandon their children. Then there are the fathers that drop them off somewhere. Say, I'll be back in in a month. And they're gone for 10 years. But they will come around to spank them and beat them. That's about the only time they come around. Right, and demand respect. I'm your daddy, boy. That's why this passage is in the Bible. So we're talking about intimacy. Again, God extends intimacy to us. He wants us to reciprocate that to him, to open our hearts, to be honest with him. And he wants us to have intimacy with each other. Now, obviously... We, we, there will not be the same level of intimacy, you know, between a, a husband and wife versus, you know, acquaintances and friends. 
But he wants us to be authentic in our relationships. You know, the question always is, for, it's really for us as Americans. So how you doing? What's the answer? Doing fine. Great. We're not always doing fine. Sometimes we, it, it's okay to say, you know what, it's, it's a tough day. You know what, it, here's what I found. I, you all know, a lot of you all know that I'm a part of a grief ministry at Calvary Chapel. There are, we just finished up a 10-week session a few weeks ago. There were about 13 or 14 of us who had lost spouses. And you know what I discovered in that grouping? There was authenticity there. Where folks would come in. This one lady in particular, she and her husband were about to celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. He died about two months before that. That first meeting, she came in and she sat in the back corner with her head down the entire meeting. And when we were about to shut it down, she looked up and she said, I am mad at God and I'm mad at my husband. And the rest of us at the table said, uh-huh, yep, we understand. That was not the time for, you shouldn't be saying that, that's not right. That's how she felt. And another thing, as I say that, talking about intimacy, when someone shares their feelings with us, we should not say to them, you shouldn't feel that way. Don't feel that way. That's not right. You shouldn't feel that way. Because we invalidate what they are feeling and they don't feel supported. So guess what they're not going to do? They're going to tell you nothing no more. Because they've, they've seen, you know what? You don't care. You're not being real. What I am learning, at the very least, I can listen quietly. At the very least. And I can, I can try to discern what, what's really going on here. Because, you know, our, our natural tendency is to fix problems. You, you tell me something, this is what you ought to do. <laughs> you know, if you do this, everything will be better. Our God listens to us. We, we look at how Jesus, look at Jesus. Look at the, the multiple accounts in scripture that we see. The Samaritan woman. He let her talk. He knew all about her story, but he let her talk. He let her get it off her chest. The woman caught in the act of adultery. She was getting ready. She was ready for the rocks to start flying. And once the scribes and Pharisees got through during their whole charade and they left, he had to call her attention. Say, hey, um, where are your accusers? I can see her like. Wow. Where'd they go? 
said, no one has condemned you, and I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. What an example for us. Here's probably the best one. Judas Iscariot. Jesus knew what he was going to do from the jump. And he kept extending opportunities for him to repent. He he conversed with him. He loved him. He ate with him multiple times. And something that was brought to my attention. Judas never called Jesus. Uh, he never called him Lord. He called him Rabbi. But he never called him Lord. And Jesus didn't say, you need to call me Lord. <laughs> so our, our awesome father, the best father of all. And what a great example for us. And again, I, I am learning, as you say, Warren, I am unlearning stuff and learning some good stuff from God's word. The example that he presents to us of patience, of kindness. Now, it's not always easy. But I'm saying, and here's what I'm, I'm trying to connect the dots on. God, you are patient with me. As many times as I've messed up, you are kind and patient, and you instruct me. And that's what you want me to do. You want me to be forgiven. You want me to rest in you. On the cross, Jesus, after being tortured, bludgeoned, made fun of, beaten, And what I gather from the scripture is he didn't just say it once, but he said it multiple times. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Yes, they do. (laughs) They know what they're doing. See, that's us. They know what they're doing. But he's saying, Father, they, they don't get it. They don't see the big picture. They don't see the big picture. Now that's intimacy right there. Talking about supporting us. And that extends to us as well. Father, forgive them in 2022. They still don't know what they're doing. <laughs> now we're we're learning and growing. You know, Kermit, you know, that passage we, we looked at was um, uh, Luke 6 and, and 35. Where, in fact, let's go there. Luke 6 and 35. All right. But love, that is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, for your reward will be great, rich, abundant. And you will be sons of the Most High, because he himself is kind and gracious and good, 
to the ungrateful and the wicked. I'll just read 36. Be merciful, responsive, compassionate, tender, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. So, when I first read this passage, I said, wow, God is kind and gracious to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then it occurred to me, (laughs) I'm the ungrateful and the wicked. It's not them. It's me. He's kind to me. And he wants me to be kind. And we see these accounts in scripture in the New Testament. God forgives someone. The ruler forgives someone of a huge debt. And that person goes right out. And doesn't do it. (laughs) Talk about amnesia. God you have forgiven me of an insurmountable debt that I cannot pay. And I'm going right out looking for somebody. Man, you owe me $35, man. You need to pay me now. When I read this, I'm like, God. That's why in 36 it says, be merciful, responsive, compassionate, tender, just as your heavenly father is merciful. The best father of all time. All time. He gets the prize. Yes, he's the GOAT. (laughs) The greatest of all time. So, my message is completed. But, again, as we, we see who our Father is, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. In spite of his attributes, his, his holiness, being infinite, eternal, perfect. He also loves us with a love that we cannot understand. A love that sometimes we have a hard time. Oh, yeah. It's, mm. You done done it too many times. I'm just about done with you. That's right. That's right. So let's let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. You are the great and magnificent God. Lord, you do all things well. You are righteous in all your ways, and you are kind in all your deeds. I don't always understand it. It doesn't always make sense to me, but Lord, Lord, teach us to rest in you. Lord, to know that you are trustworthy, that you are loving, you are kind, you are patient, you are long-suffering. Lord, and you, you delight in showing mercy. Lord, teach us to delight in showing mercy. Lord, just thank you again for for how you love us. 
in how you teach us and how you are patient with us. Lord, we just praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise for the word. No father like our father. He's in heaven and he's watching over us. And I can call my father up, Sister Amanda, and I can tell him anything. I mean, I can tell him right where it hurts. I I can tell him those areas where I have failed. And he won't tell anybody, but he'll heal me. He'll meet me right where I'm at. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Makes no difference what the problem is. 